Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. We want to get into God's Word this morning. I want to turn to Romans chapter 15, and I'll read verses 8 through 13 here in just a little bit in Romans 15. The other day, I read a story about a school system in a large city that had this program where uh, children uh, who are in the hospital, what they do is they they hire these teachers to come in and help these children while they they have these long stays uh, in in the hospital uh, so that they don't fall behind. And so one day there was this teacher who just started, uh, you know, doing this ministry, if we want to call it that, and she received a call and asked her to visit this one particular child in the hospital, and she got the child's name, she got the child's room number, and and talked briefly with the child's regular teacher. And uh, the teacher said, well, we're studying nouns and adverbs in the class now, and, you know, I'd be grateful if you'd be able to go help him understand so he doesn't fall behind uh, in his schoolwork. So this uh, teacher in this hospital program went to see the boy that afternoon, but no one had mentioned to her that he had been very badly burned, and he was in great pain, and it was, it was an upsetting sight. And, um, you know, at, when she first went in, she kind of stammered on what to say to the boy, and uh, she just said, okay, well, I've been sent by your school to help you with nouns and adverbs so you don't fall behind. And she tried to kind of get through the lesson, but when she left, she wasn't sure if she had actually accomplished much of anything. Well, the next day, she went back up to the hospital, and one of the nurses asked her, saying, what did you do to that boy? Well, the teacher felt bad. She thought she must have done something wrong, and she began to really apologize for whatever it was. And the nurse said, no, 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 you don't understand what I mean. We have been worried about that little boy for a long time. But ever since yesterday, after you visited him, his whole attitude has changed. He's he's fighting back. He's responding to the treatments. It's as though all of a sudden he decided to live. Well, she kept going and seeing the boy. And, you know, the boy later explained that he had completely given up hope in life until that teacher arrived. Everything kind of changed for a child. Remember, childlike thinking. But he came to to this simple realization and he expressed it to the teacher this way. I mean, they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, now would they? His whole attitude changed. What made all the difference in the world, and the teacher didn't realize it at the time, but going there and saying, we're going to work on this so you don't fall behind, that gave him hope. That's what made the difference. Hope made all the difference in the world. Without hope, it's as if we have nothing to look forward to. Without hope, it's hard to grasp what we're living for. And yes, even we Christians can fall into this because we see a world that is filled with sin and violence and wickedness and darkness. And we might begin to wonder to ourselves, is there any hope? As we go through the struggles of life, trials, the tribulations, 
just living in this world, we might begin to wonder, is there any hope? You know, you look out at the world. The world has a population of around 8 billion now. The vast majority of them are lost. You don't even know where to begin. You wonder, is there any hope for them? We begin to question hope and we begin to deny that there is any such thing as hope. We begin to doubt hope. And then we fall into depression and despair and despondency. And we feel like giving up. Why, why do we think that there is no hope? Why do we think so little of hope? Why do we believe in our heart that hope is so elusive to us? Why do so many people, Christians, decide to give up rather than to fight and move forward in hope? Well, part of the problem might be a misunderstanding about what hope is to begin with. Because all too often we have a pessimistic view of what hope is. It's like this one little boy defined the pessimistic view of hope. He said, hope is wishing for something you know ain't going to happen. That's what people think of hope. And so we have equated hope with a hope-so kind of mentality. I mean... Yeah, I'd like it, but I doubt it. I want it, but yeah, it's probably not going to happen. You know, maybe Christmas was a few weeks ago. We may, if we didn't say it out loud, we may have thought to ourselves, oh, I hope I get this present, but I highly doubt that I will, or something like that. So we have turned the word hope into nothing more than just wanting a wish to be fulfilled, but it's filled with doubt. It's filled with uncertainty. That's what we think of hope, but that's not the biblical concept of hope. The hope that we have with God through Jesus Christ is not some wish mixed with a lot of pessimism, with a lot of doubt at the income, at the outcome. God's idea of hope is different from what the world defines it as. As one theologian defined the biblical concept of hope, Hope is the total grounding of one's confidence and expectation in God's goodness and providential care, even in the face of trials, even in the face of trouble. I am grounding my confidence and expectation in God because he's good and he's powerful. And we see this in what he's done through Jesus Christ. That means that even when we're facing adverse circumstances, our hope does not disappear because our hope is not founded on the world. Our hope is not founded about on what's going on around us. It's founded, founded on the God who sent his only begotten son. That's where hope is grounded. And my prayer is today that when you're looking at this world filled with sin and darkness and uncertainty, that you realize God has offered true hope to all peoples and all nations. He meets us at our needs and he offers hope. And that's the kind of hope you need to put your confidence in today.
Not the, well, I wish, I hope so, quote-unquote. No, the certainty that we have a God who loves us so much that he sent his only son. And Paul talks a little bit about that hope in verses 8 through 13 of Romans 15. So why don't we stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses. Paul says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, that is my prayer, that everyone here today would abound in hope because it's a hope that just isn't about this world. It is a hope that is bound up in eternity. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that that moves us and draws us closer to you rather than us allowing our circumstances to pull us away from you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So I want us to have a biblical understanding of hope as Paul wrote about, you know, just as he says here, that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what lessons do we learn about hope? First, we see that Paul tells us about the root of God's hope, the root of God's hope. It's founded in something very important. You know, we, we Christians, we throw out all these Christianese words, and we throw hope out there, you know, and, and, and too often, the way we use it, it sounds empty. It sounds just like some hollow platitude, it, you know, that... Sometimes we say, oh yeah, you know, you have hope in God, have hope in God, but we say it in such a way when it seems like, well, I have nothing else to say to encourage this person. So it's almost robotic. It's almost like this automatic response that we know it sounds good and pious, but, you know, in the back of our minds, we're still like that kid and his definition. You know, it, it, it's something that ain't really going to happen. But Paul says that hope comes from God and it is real because it's built on a solid foundation it has a sovereign source it has deep spiritual roots from which it grows and we can look at life circumstances and we can look to the hope in God and we really believe that in God all things are possible and this hope is a reality and so Paul says that the spiritual root from which hope sprouts and grows is Jesus Christ Jesus is the root. He is the foundation. It all starts with him. Now, I know that almost sounds like a Sunday school answer, right? It, if you don't know the answer in Sunday school, God, church, Jesus. I must have hit it. Or Bible. Okay, I must have hit it. 
hit the right answer, right? It's got to be one of those four. But Paul is telling us that, that Jesus is the only basis for any hope in this world, and he goes on to tell us why. Why is Jesus the root of, of, of this, you know, the, the source? Why is the root of, of hope? Well, one truth that, that he talks about is that Jesus is, is the root of our hope because he is the embodiment of God's character and nature. He is the embodiment of the very character and nature of God because Jesus is God. He is God incarnate. He is the word become flesh. And so being God the Son, he is the ultimate revelation of God. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus Christ. So here in our passage, Paul says that Jesus became a servant, meaning he took on humanity in order to show God's truthfulness. Jesus left the glories of heaven so that the world would know that God is not only the creator. He didn't just kind of wind up the world and then let it go, do its own thing. But he is good. He's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. But he's loving also. He's caring. And he cares about the mess that we humans get ourselves into. I mean, he's cared ever since the garden. He's cared ever since before the garden. And he cares the mess we make of it now. But think of this. If, if God just stayed in his heaven, wound up the world, wound you up and just let you go, and he made no sort of gesture of outreach to humankind, then you would be hopeless. Then you would have no hope because we would have God who is angry with us rightfully because of our sin and we have no recourse. There's nothing we could do about it. We'd all be under his righteous condemnation. But Jesus is God who became human so that he could make God and his will and his salvation and his gospel known to us. And therefore, we have hope. He shows that we have a God who is merciful and gracious toward humanity. So there is hope. There is hope because Jesus came down. If Jesus didn't come down, everything's lost. We are lost. But Jesus did come down. And now we have hope. Then Paul goes on to say that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. This shows hope because Jesus fulfilled the promises. God had promised from the beginning that he would send a Savior, that he would send his Son. He promised to Abraham that through his descendants the world would be blessed. He promised through David that one of his descendants would rule and reign over everything for all of eternity. God promised through Isaiah that there would be the suffering servant who would place the sins of mankind on himself. And God promised through Daniel that the Son of Man would come and renew all of creation, bringing a new heaven and a new earth, and all of that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We have hope because all of the Old Testament promises have been fulfilled in Jesus. Everything that God said would happen has happened and will happen because it all comes through Jesus. But then also, Paul says that Jesus is the fount of all mercies. Mercy flows from Jesus. Jesus, God the Son, becoming man, dying on the cross to satisfy God's wrath, 
bringing humanity into relationship with God. We used to be separated from God. Jesus brings us together. Therefore, we have peace with God. We have forgiveness. We have been redeemed, as has been sung. Without that, there is no hope. And so we have hope because God is showing us mercy. And so when the Bible says that God is a God of hope, he, it's telling us that he really offers true hope. We can believe it because of the character and the work that is done through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the root of it all. Think about this. If God did not withhold his only son, do you think that he will withhold hope from us? If God the Father did not hold back giving his most prized possession, will he not also give hope to those who need it? You can have real hope because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is the revealer of God. He's the fulfiller of promises. He is the giver of mercy. And since Jesus is eternal, this hope is eternal, meaning it's something that we cling to forever and it's never going to be taken from us. When we have hope in Jesus Christ, this is something that we're going to possess for all of eternity. It can't be taken from us. Now, the devil might try and lie and tell us that there's no hope, but he's a liar, and he's been a liar from the beginning. He is the father of lies. So don't listen to him. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. You know, we, we hear all of these truths from Scripture and truths from preaching, and we still think, yeah, but... There is no yeah, but about it. If the Bible has said it, that's it. It's settled. It's done. We have an eternal hope that cannot be taken from us. It, it, it's, it, it, there's, there's no price that can be placed on, the, on this. You know, I read a story about a man who went to Washington, D.C., and he saw... Um, the Hope Diamond in the Smithsonian Institute. You know, the Hope Diamond is like the most beautiful blue diamond in, in the world, and he's watching there, but then in the same case, right next to it, was the Portuguese Diamond, which is twice the size of the Hope Diamond, and it's white. And so there's these guards standing in the room, and, and one of the guards comes over, and, and so the man says, what, what's the value of these two gems? What's the value of these jewels? And the guard said, no price has been put on the two of them. I mean, the Hope Diamond many, many years ago had been evaluated by Lloyd's of London, but, you know, it, it doesn't matter now because these two diamonds together are priceless and they're never going to be sold again. Those two diamonds are not going anywhere. They will be in the Smithsonian as long as there's a Smithsonian, I guess, but they are our own. They belong to America and they're not going anywhere. They belong to us. They're priceless and we have them forever. And that's our hope. Our hope is priceless, and we have it forever. And so run to Jesus. Jesus is the root. He's the source. He's the basis. He's the foundation of this priceless gift. No, you may not feel it. You know, we go around, I do not feel very hopeful right now. Your emotions might not align with it. But choose to believe Scripture rather than your emotions. Choose to believe Scripture rather than feelings. The Bible says Jesus is the root of hope. If you have Jesus, you have hope. Believe it and don't let anyone tell you 
any different. But there's a second lesson about hope that Paul gives today. Another area that Paul talks about is the range of God's hope. The range of God's hope. So Paul goes on in this passage to emphasize the fact that the promises and mercies found in Jesus Christ aren't only for the Jews, but they go to all the nations. He is the hope of all nations. He is the hope of the Gentiles, which, you know, there's Jews and then everybody else is, is a Gentile. And so, he, you know, he quotes several Old Testament passages, really from every part of the Old Testament, from the Pentateuch, from the histories, from the wisdom literature, from the prophets, and it all speaks about the fact that the hope of God always was supposed to be declared to the nations so that the nations would turn around and praise God and follow God. That was always God's plan. God always planned to reach the nations. And so God did not send Jesus, who is the root of all hope. He didn't just send Jesus to the Jews. Jesus is not merely a savior for the Jews. The range of salvation that Jesus brings, and therefore the range of hope, is everybody. Every single person on this earth. There is no one on this earth that is excluded from receiving the hope from God. Anyone who believes in Jesus, it doesn't matter your race, your color, your nationality, whatever, you can receive the hope of eternal comfort. So the Jesus who is the hope to the American Christian is the same Jesus who is the hope to the Japanese Christian, who is the same Jesus who is the hope for the Syrian Christian, who is the same Jesus who is the hope for the Sudanese Christian, and on it goes. All who have believed in Jesus Christ have that hope. And even sometimes we, we think that there's people who are so far out of reach. Guess what? Jesus is their only hope also. I read a story about something that happened in the 1980s when then-Vice President George Bush, who rep represented the United States to, uh, to the funeral of the Soviet leader, Leonid Brezhnev, and, and something at, at, at the funeral caught uh, Bush's eye, and he saw something that the widow did, that Brezhnev's widow did. She stood motionless at the coffin until seconds before they closed the coffin. So, but as the soldiers touched you know, the lid to, to close it. It doesn't seem like a big deal to us, but consider this was so, the Soviet Union. This was, you know, the USSR. Before they closed it, she did a sign of the cross on his chest. Now think about this. I mean, this is the Soviet Union, secular state. I mean, they thought religion was the opiate of the world because that's what Marx said. So right there, in this grand hall of atheism, the wife of the man who was supposed to be running the greatest atheistic empire in the world knew. She made the connection that any hope in life and in death is only found in Jesus Christ. Even she knew she grew, you know, being brought up in the Soviet Union, being the wife of the leader of the Soviet Union came to realize Jesus is the only hope. That's it. So yes, Jesus Christ is the only hope for a communist dictator. Jesus Christ is the only hope of an ISIS terrorist. Jesus Christ is the only hope of a moral, upstanding American. Jesus Christ is the hope of the nations. But what that means to you is that Jesus Christ is your hope.
your hope personally to you. I'm pointing to you as individuals. Because we begin to think, as we read the promises found in Scripture and promises given of God, well, yeah, but that's for them over there. That's for that other person. That's for the super saint. No. It is for you. Jesus Christ is your hope. There is no one that ho from whom hope is withheld if they would just come to Jesus. So to the one who's struggling financially, Jesus Christ is your hope. To the one who's dealing with a dysfunctional family, Jesus Christ is your hope. To the one who's dealing with sin and addiction, Jesus Christ is your hope. To the one who has a wayward spouse or wayward child, Jesus Christ is your hope. To the one who's dealing with medical issues, Jesus Christ is your hope. To the one who thinks that you are so beyond the reach of God, you are not. Jesus Christ is your hope. He is your only hope. He offers you eternal life. And he offers you hope even in this troubled world. You might not see the fulfillment of your hope until you see him face to face, but by golly, you have hope. You have hope. Jesus Christ is your hope. Today may stink, but Jesus Christ is your hope for a better tomorrow. If you believe in him. Jesus Christ is the only hope of the self-righteous man who thinks that he can get to heaven in his own own good deeds and own, excuse me, righteousness, that somehow he could merit it. Jesus Christ is your only hope, so stop trying to save yourself. You can't. There is nobody who is excluded from the range of the hope of God found in Jesus Christ. From the most pagan of sinners to the most holy of saints, everyone's hope is found only in Jesus Christ. So place your hope in him today. Place your hope in him today. One very quick and final thought that Paul touches upon. Talk about the reformation from God's hope. The reformation from God's hope. When you find hope in Jesus Christ, your life is changed. You are not the same. You can't be. If you would stop worrying and fretting and put your trust in him and believe in the hope that he offers a better tomorrow, your life is going to be transformed because it breaks the chains of worry and, again, I'm preaching to myself there, it breaks those chains that we put on ourselves. When we don't have a right understanding of hope, we, we put chains on ourselves. We chain ourselves up. We limit ourselves. We limit God. We limit what God will do in our lives. But there's freedom when you put your hope in, in Christ. Paul talks about this fact in verse 13. That, that, that with the hope that is rooted in Christ, the one that reaches out to all people, that hope, what does it say? It's going to give you joy. It is going to give you peace as you continually trust in Christ. When you trust in Christ and put, just sit there, you know what? He is my hope. I mean, something supernatural happens. That hope will bring you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because guess what? You're in his hands. You're not, you're not in control. You know, it, I, again, 
sometimes songs just hit just right. I mean, I surrender. How many of us, we sing a song like, I surrender, or we sing the hymn, I surrender all, but in reality, we should probably be singing, I surrender some. I surrender a little. Some to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender a bit. Some like that, right? But if we would surrender all, if we would surrender our lives would be changed. It would be changed. We would be completely different. Because it says here in verse 13, we receive the power that flows from the Holy Spirit so that we would abound in hope. We, would have, we wouldn't just have a little bit of hope. We would abound. We, we surrender. We fully trust in Christ. We're like, you know what? The world and the circumstances do not determine my outlook, but Jesus determines my outlook. I surrender to him. We abound in hope. The power of the Holy Spirit, we are changed. It's going to overflow in our life, and we're changed. And it, over, it flows out of us, and it changes other people too. Other people's lives are going to be touched as well. When you find that hope in Jesus, your life goes through a reformation. You, you, you stop continuously wondering, oh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? You're going to stop continuously being filled with anxiety, again, preaching to self. You're going to know joy and peace and power that only comes from Him. Because it is freeing. It is soul-satisfying. It is the health of the soul. Your soul will be healthy when you ha have that hope. I, in, in 1997, there was this journal article in the American Heart Association from a, a, a lady named Susan Everson, who was part of the Public Health Institute in Berkeley, California. She found that people who experienced high levels of despair and hopelessness had a 20% greater occurrence of the narrowing of the arteries. It has this really long term that I can't pronounce, but you nurses know what it is. The narrowing of the, the arteries than those who actually had, were filled with hope. So those who felt hopeless, gave in to hopelessness, had a 20% greater chance of that narrowing of the arteries than those that didn't. So to make a comparison, what she said was, it, it, it's like the comparison between someone who smokes a pack a day and one who doesn't smoke a pack a day of cigarettes, right? So in other words, despair can be as bad for your physical health as smoking a pack a day. So, you know, the study might say that hope can change your physical life, which I get, it can, but Paul is saying, it will change your spiritual life. It will change your emotional life. It will change your outlook. It will change your thinking when Jesus is the root of your hope. And that's the difference between what the world offers and tries to tell us versus what God offers through Christ, right? Because the world tells you to put your trust in money, power, fame, fortune, whatever, relationships, 
But when you do that, you put your trust in the wrong place. And when you put your trust in the wrong place, you're not going to have any hope. Hope is not existent where trust is in the wrong place. If I put my hope, if I put my trust in the things of the world, my hope is going to be in the things of the world. Well, guess what? The things of the world are going to fail me, including other people. A trust and hope in the world is not going to reform you. It's not going to change you. It's not going to give you any sort of spiritual power. If anything, it's going to drag you down. And so we have to join the psalmist when he said, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we're going to trust in the name of the Lord. And his name is Jesus. When you put your trust in him fully, I'm talking to the Christian too. We talk about trust for salvation. I'm talking about the Christian who surrenders and says, you know what? All my trust is in you. Everything is in Christ. When we trust him, we place our hope in him. And when our hope is in him, it will never fail. And our lives are changed forever. Our lives are changed forever. Let me close with this story. I read a story about a little boy in uh, India who heard this, heard um, the American missionary, Howard Thurman. He was preaching. He gave a very rousing sermon in that boy's village. Well, one night after Howard and Mrs. Thurman had gone to bed, there was a loud knock at the door, and opening the door, there stood this little boy. And the little boy's clothing marked him as an untouchable. If you're familiar with the caste system in uh, India, you know, there's all different levels of people in society. Well, the untouchables are the lowest of the low. If it's possible to have a negative, they would be the negative. And so he comes from the lowest of the low. In broken but very polite English, he said, I stood outside the building and listened to your lecture, Sahib Doctor, that's what he called him, but I have to ask you, could you please tell me if you can give some hope to a nobody? I mean, that's what the untouchables are considered. They're considered nobodies. So How Howard Thurman, he, he looked into these boys, this boy's eyes and he shared with him not only is Jesus the hope of the nobodies of India he is the only hope for the everybody's of the world and that's it Jesus Christ is the hope of the nations and he is your only hope as well if you have never believed in Jesus Christ to be saved Settle it today. Because without Jesus Christ, you are hopeless. Yeah, all unbelievers are hopeless because your trust is in the wrong place. You have nothing. You don't have an eternal foundation. You don't have a divine foundation. And so your hope is found in Jesus Christ alone. So repent and believe in the gospel and find hope. But still, there may be some Christians here who, who need a dose of hope. You've forgotten. Or, or like we Christians in America often do, we have these things in our brains, but they haven't really changed us. I have all this information, because we're information people, but that information hasn't done anything to me. It hasn't drawn me closer to God. It hasn't drawn me to hope. Stop being a casual Christian. Just surrender to Christ and find your hope in Him. Maybe you've been looking to the things of the world. 
yeah, I will have hope and peace and all that when I have this in the world. You're never going to find hope there. And so I invite you to the altar this morning and find your hope in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.